Welcome to the podcast formerly known as Mormon Visual Culture, brought to you by the Zion Art Society and hosted by me, Micah Christensen. And this week, my co-host, Eric Biggert, co-founder of the Zion Art Society. We thought that we would check in and talk to you about what we've been doing over the summer, our plans for the coming year, 2018 to 19, and about a name change that we are making to the podcast. So Eric um, and I have been talking for a little while about this. We know that with the recent announcement that was titled Style Guide, the name of the church that was issued by the church's uh, newsroom, um, that we needed to reevaluate the title Mormon Visual Culture. What were some of your initial thoughts as we were... As, as that announcement came out and you realized that we had you know thousands of listeners and that we had a podcast with the title Mormon in it. Uh, my initial thought was um, something that I'd seen from several uh, scholars and religion professors at BYU who said, um, we respect the revelation, but scholars have been using the term Mormon to reflect on the culture of the church for a long time. So it, it refers to people who we often say are culturally Mormon, someone who is not doctrinally Mormon. So you were like, you know, so, that's all right, because we're not doing any official church work here. Yeah. This is still a cultural val- cal- culturally valid term. Yes. And, um, and obviously not all of the uh, questions have been answered about what, what this kind of a change means in the church itself. They still have... Mormon.org and I'm a Mormon and meet the Mormons and Mormon newsroom and all of that. Yes, but they've been instructed to come up with a plan to change it. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So we're just going to beat them to it. It sounds like. (laughs) So uh, in conjunction with this change, even before this had been happening, we've been discussing um, the direction for the podcast and how to expand it more from simply interviews with artists and collectors and scholars. Which, which we're going to continue doing. Yes. Right. But what if we wanted to do something else? What if we wanted to go review an exhibition? What if we wanted to talk about uh, something going on at the Church History Museum? Or um, specifically talk about a work of LDS art that's influential by a deceased artist? Um we didn't really have the infrastructure to handle those kinds of discussions before in the way we were talking about the podcast. So we wanted to make some sort of holistic change that could encompass uh, a new direction while still maintaining the, uh, the foundation that we've had of interviews with people. So before we actually say the name, I want to tell a story. I, this goes back to the founding of the Zion Art Society, which we did in 2015, mm-hmm. I believe. Simpler um, times. <clears throat> yeah, simpler times. And I don't think we were the first. I know we weren't the first. There were. It seems like there was a season from 2015 up until the present time where a number of organizations were coming up with different names. The Society for Mormon Artists, the Mormon... Um, Mormon Artist Group. Mormon Artist Group. Um, the uh, Mormon um, Arts Festival, um, the Alliance of Mormon Artists, I think I already said. And and uh, we chose Zion Art Society because of a conversation that I had had with a very influential marketing 
um, leader in the world. Who's also who, a collector of Mormon art. Yeah, who's also a collector of of uh, of of our, of our art. And um, he, I'm gonna re- he'll remain nameless. Some people will know undoubtedly who he is. He's he's uh, a member of the church, who is uh, who runs an ad agency based in New York. <clears throat> excuse me, and. He oversees advertising for Disney, American Express, a number of the major motor companies. He's consulted with the church and for presidential elections. He oversees luxury advertising uh, for Louis Vuitton and Hermes and a number of other companies around the world. So not only does he oversee his company, but he oversees other companies which are under the umbrella of his that are abroad. And he had been approached by... A, uh, a a very successful nonprofit that had the title Mormon in it that's based in New York. And they um, they said they wanted him to support and help what he was what they were doing. And he then called and asked me some advice um, about whether I knew the people. And I said, sure, yeah, I, I know the people and the rising tide lifts all ships. We're just you know we're just supportive of anyone who's working in the space. And he said, but I'm not going to support them. And I said, why not? He said, because I told them that they that if they were using the word Mormon in their title, that I wasn't going to support them. This was 2015, 2016. And um, I said to him, well, well why, why is that? He said, why aren't you going to support them? Why is that so important to you of all things? Do you remember this? Were you the part of that discussion? Yeah, I remember. And he said, well, here's the, here's the reason. He said it was given initially as a slur uh, that was a an insult um, by people like Governor Boggs, who uh, pushed Mormons out of Missouri and burned their homes and took their property. And I don't think it's a name we can we can appropriate like other groups have done for themselves. So if you're gay and you've you've appropriated the word queer and turned it into a positive thing, if you're black and you've taken the N word and you've appropriated it. He doesn't feel like you can you can reappropriate Mormonism, and I said, "Well, why is that?" And his his answer was, "Because if we believe in revelation, then the Lord gave the name of the church that it needs to be called by." And he said, "I'm a marketing guru. If you give me a huge long name, the first thing I will try and do is reduce it to the most soundbite possible." And he said, I'm not going to adequately communicate this. He said, this name is the most reducible name by which you can call the church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I think he gave us then an hour lesson where he broke that down. And he said, I've given the same lesson to the brethren. And he said, in particular, to President Packer before he, he passed away. And a lot of people, this won't come as a surprise, but during President Hinckley's time, uh, as the leader of the church, they had hired marketing firms, and this fellow was in that mix. And he has been, since President Hinckley's time, advocating for this name change. And he feels like, I texted him the day that the change was made, and I said, looks like they took your advice. He was humble, and he said, well, it wasn't just me, of course, and I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure there was a lot of people involved in this, a lot of thinking. But he said, yeah, I guess I can die now. I guess that this change has happened. Well, I can I can die now. Let's also be clear that this isn't the first time that they've tried to do this. No, they've, they've made a change um, 
during President Monson, the beginning of President Monson's term as president of the church, where they said, "There's the here's the style guide, which yeah, is how wh- they did which this. Which has been focused more towards the media and reporting and how to use the name of the church in articles and in periodicals and things like that. This change has been, to me, focused more towards members of the church as well as focusing even stronger on how the media should refer to the church. But it's also right. to say to the members, you need to start calling yourselves something more in line with what the scriptures say is the name of the church. I'll tell you what this does, which may sound superficial, but I don't. It starts a discussion. Um, I don't know about you, Eric, but in my fast and testimony meeting in my local ward in Alpine, Utah, more than half of the testimonies were about the name change. And they were people who were having the discussion of, you know, for years growing up, I was sure to tell people that I was not Mormon. So there's some people who have clearly always felt like that is not a term that they were comfortable using to describe themselves. And it's like you said, this isn't the first time. I think there have been successive generations of people who have had this as a talking point. It's just one that in the wake of the Book of Mormon musical and I Am a Mormon campaign and Mormon.org that um, we felt like maybe had been wholly embraced, that this feels like a 180. Yeah. Right? And and, and so well, and my understanding, it feels different. My understanding as well is that this is not the end of these kinds of changes that are coming. And conversations that I've had with people on a personal level indicate that there is more change to come and the church publicly will be more and more focused on demonstrating a focus on Jesus Christ as the center of the church. And we've talked about this before that visually the logo of the church puts Jesus Christ at the center. That was a change that was made, I don't know, a decade and a half ago, or maybe it was in the 90s, to redo the logo to focus on Jesus Christ and minimize... Which is part of visual culture, too, right? That's a visual culture choice. Yeah. It's... And and we could cut this out if you don't want to include it, Eric. But you... This is the kind of thing you talk about a lot because you are the chair of chairs for the Democratic Party. Uh Uh-oh. You outed me. And so you are... Chair of caucus chairs. Chair of caucus chairs. So you are having conversations on a regular basis with church public relation officials. And, and this has been, this is, this is, this is a big deal. Yeah. And, um, more so, I think it's an issue with correlation. Um, and we've seen a lot of changes like with the hymn books that we're going to have a uniform hymn book for all languages. And I think, uh, the term, calling the church either LDS or Mormon or any of these simplified versions are not universal based on language. And I think that is a big barrier that the church has been fighting against for a long time, because how do you refer to the LDS church in a language that may not have those three letters in their language? I don't know if there's a language. Oh boy, you know, this makes letters. me want to have, so, I mean, this is, this is another discussion for another time, but when they first proposed putting the Christus on Temple Square, People were worried about coming across as us being idolatrous, mm-hmm. but they put up Joseph Smith and Hiram Smith on Temple Square, and and they didn't feel like that was idolatrous because it was clearly an historical idea. So the church has had, the church is evolving. This is an evolving, this is an evolving discussion. It's interesting because now, you know, we're we're putting out this. And it, 
this idea of Christ at the center. And visually, if you go to any church location, almost to a point, to a point that we know, and we've had this discussion within the past, that someone like David O. McKay would be uncomfortable with the amount of imagery that's being used Mm -hmm. and the kind of imagery that's being used. And when you talk with people who are more abstract artists, they feel like they have a little bit of an upper hand because they are distancing themselves from too much repetition of, of, uh, of the image. Boy, there's so much in this. This is going to be an interesting year of discussions. Yeah, it will. And maybe we've buried the lead a little bit. And you may have seen it already in the title of this podcast when you downloaded it. Yeah, so dun-da-da-da, it is... So we're we're changing the name of the podcast to Simply Me Design Art Podcast. When we first started this organization, we held an invitational, uh, sorry, no, an exhibition, which we called Design Art Exhibition. Then we held an invitational, which we called Design Art Invitational. And the whole organization in and of itself is called Design Art Society. So why break with tradition? Why overcomplicate things? From now on, we'll be called Design Art Podcast. You won't have to change your subscriptions. Zap. We're feeling we're feeling very zappy about it. Um, we might have to get cool lightning bolt logos to use or yeah. something like that. Love it around here. Love but, it. Uh, the people aren't changing. The discussions aren't changing. Um, we might be broadening our reach a little bit. We might um, be able to be doing more uh, in the community here with other organizations. But we just want everyone to be clear. Uh, you can find us still at zionartsociety.org. And if you type in Mormon visual culture, I'm sure algorithms will still lead you yeah. to the Zion Art Podcast. Yeah. But if you're using the word Mormon as often as that in your Google machine, it might confuse Google. So yeah. uh, don't click on things that say Mormon. I wonder if that's part of the church's plan is to Maybe work is. with Maybe the Google is. algorithm. I look forward to having Zap because it reminds me of campy Batman um, logos from the Adam West days of Zap. And Yeah, and I'll pop. for sure be putting sound effects into the podcast yeah, from please, now on. Please, please. That's my plan. Our first interview um, of the year will be with a scholar and visual artist from England, um, Lisa DeLong. She's originally from here, but she's been working at the Prince's Academy. That'll be the first uh, interview you have in our feed. Like Eric said, we'll be having lots of interviews over the uh, with artists, but we'll also be having roundtable discussions. We will be having um, debates on particular topics, and we will be venturing out into the world and having discussions on exhibitions. So look for it. Glad to be back. And uh, I'm excited for this name change and for this upcoming year. Zap. Zap.